Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. I love my church. You in love with Jesus today? You might be here and you might not be a God person or, or would call yourself a Christ follower. You're kind of exploring the faith. There's a reason why we love Jesus. That's all that we'll say. And, and hang around long enough. I think you'll find that we're real, if a little bit crazy, but I think the world needs a little bit of crazy these days. Welcome to our series, In On It. We're discovering that, that we've been spending uh, all of humanity trying to get God on, in on our situation here. But during Christmas, we went through all these prophecies last week where we found out that he was actually in on it the whole time. The, the reason that the world is broken and needs fixing is because we need to get in on it. And so God fixes parts of the world that you give him. But that's how he gave the world to mankind, and mankind gave it to the devil and broke it. And as God comes into the world and and he prophesied the existence of Jesus very specifically, it was to get you in on it. Because there's this other place where Jesus is like, yeah, when the new wine comes, if you have old wineskins, it's going to burst the wineskins because you only prefer what you know of God already. And there's this other part of God that when Jesus appears in your life or the Holy Spirit today comes in and appears to you, there's this part of you that will resist it and you need to know that about you. But if you accept it and open wide the door and invite the Son of the living God and everything changes. Everything changes in on it. There's this sense that when God walks into the room, he changes the room. I don't know if you could feel it or not this morning. See, how much you feel of God in this room depends on how much in on it you are. It wasn't God's lack of being in on it, but when God comes into a room, he changes it. But I got to ask, you know, when I walk into a room, do I change the room or does the room change me? You come down the stairs and your, your teenage daughter just can't even <laughs> in the morning. Now, does, does she change you? I'm not saying that because my teenage daughter is there. They're not, you know, like that. Does she change you or does something inside of you change her? When you go to the lunchroom at, at work tomorrow, you go into the lunchroom at work, does it change when you come into the room or does it change you when you come into the room? There's something inherent about the presence of Jesus Christ that when he walked into mankind, he changed mankind. I mean, he changed the clock before Christ, after Christ. He changed the history. He he changed everything. The destiny of mankind forever was shifted when he walked into the room. And there's something about your connection with him that will give you the same sort of thing that can walk into a room no matter what's going on. Walk into a job site. Walk into... When you walk into a restaurant, it changes, but it doesn't change you anymore. The trick is you have to get in on it because God was always in on it. There's something about God that, that walks with us, but we don't really walk with him. In Luke uh, 24, we find that after the resurrection, I'm going to go like after the birth of Christ if I can. My sermons are all over the place anyways, and y'all keep coming. So it says that same day, the same day as what? The same day as, as some women went to the tomb where Jesus was was buried and he was supposed to be there, but his body wasn't there. And the women came back and told the disciples, like, the the body's not there. He's not there. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven, seven miles from Jerusalem. Walking seven miles. You had to mow the grass in the summertime four times. You're not tired. You're not that tired. 
This was a relatively short journey in their day. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. About the death and the torture of Christ and three days later, and there's these rumors floating around, but there's something about them that's not catching what's actually gone on. And you call yourself a realist, but all you're doing is concentrating on the 5% of your life that's not working. And you call yourself a realist. You miss the hand of God in it at Christmas time. You miss the beauty and the majesty of the Son of God coming down and forgiving your sins at Christmas time. They talked about these things. Jesus suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. I don't know if God really had to do all that much because I don't think they were expecting him. I don't think when you're having a fight with your husband, I don't think you're expecting God to come into the room right then. I think you're kind of hoping that he won't. But God kept them. See, Jesus was with them, but they weren't with Jesus. See, Jesus was now walking with them, but they weren't walking with Jesus. To explain the past of your life, you have to go back and see that Jesus was walking with you. You weren't walking with him. It will, it will start, oh, it's going to be a good sermon today. I've got something for you. He asked them, Why are, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? He doesn't know because he's not Jesus. You starting to pick up on this? When Jesus asks you a question, he already knows the answer. He just needs you to know the answer. <laughs> Why are you so nervous today? Well, so-and-so looked at me funny yesterday. Yeah, well, you never get to that place. He knows why you're nervous and he thinks you're a bit silly, but you need to know. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. (laughs) Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem I hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things, Jesus said. (laughs) The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. You remember there was a list of 44 specific prophecies about Jesus' life. He fulfilled some 300 in his lifetime. And some 44 to 60 or something like that. Very specific prophecies. And here's one of them. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. The prophets said that he would live in Nazareth for a time. They said, he was a prophet, another prophecy about Jesus, who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. They're talking about prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And they're standing and walking with the person who fulfilled them. You're going to get up tomorrow and you're going to be walking with the person who fulfilled the prophecies and not notice him. But he says, but our leading priests and the other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, also prophesied. And they crucified him. This is all a shock to the disciples. We had hoped, we had hoped, get that, get the past tense of that. We had hoped, like you in your life, you had hoped that it would have turned out differently than it turned out. You had hoped in a situation. You had hoped in a person. You had hoped. You had hoped. We had hoped. At one time, we believed. At one time. But that's in the past. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel in the way that we wanted, how we wanted. This all happened three days ago. There, there was, the rabbis were teaching at the time. You might not know this. Um, even if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably don't know this. But there, the rabbis were teaching at the time that you know a spirit could almost be resurrected in a body if, you know, if three days had passed, three days was the magic number. So up to three days, like maybe hang around because maybe the spirit could come back in a person's body. You didn't know that. This is after three days. Jesus waited until the third day. We had hoped. It's too late now. We've given up. We've conceded that this is not going to happen anymore. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. 
Some of our men ran out to see because we don't trust the women. It wasn't my small group. I don't know. I hang out with these guys, and I only trust them because I'm a guy. Your wife can tell you to clean your car 15 times, but until your buddy says it, you're not going to clean your car. You're not going to wash your car. Sure enough, his body was gone, the men said, just as the women had said. I just love that. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. Now, you've got to keep in mind, they don't know that it's Jesus. So it's, it's this random guy walking with them on the road, and he starts tearing a strip off of them right now. You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Now, if you, didn't, if you weren't here for last week for our amazing Unplugged service, thank you, Venue Dream Team, for pulling that off. That was incredible. But if you weren't here, we went through very specific prophecies about the Christ impossible hundreds of years, and some of the prophecies are thousands of years before Christ came, impossible by human understanding to specifically prophesy and have any one person fulfill them in his lifetime. Impossible. And here's this random guy tearing a strip off of them saying, just watch, just watch. They don't know it's Jesus, though. You're like, oh, if it was Jesus, I'd let him tear a strip off of me. Yeah, well, sometimes it's your mom, teenagers, in the form of Jesus. A little madder, maybe, but in the form of Jesus. And he says, you foolish people, you find it so hard. He calls them in another translation, slow of heart. Kind of like this idea of like right here and now you're dull. You're not shining. You're not on fire. You're cold. There's something about you that you lack luster. You, you stopped. It's like, don't stop believing. Living on a prayer. I don't know. I'm just going to. I think they're kind of in the same era of songs. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan, but. <laughs> Wasn't it clearly predicted, he says, that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? He's like, guys. It was clearly predicted. What have I been teaching you for three years of my life? Three years of my life. You were not listening to me. Aaron, I can't find the brown sugar. Your hand is on it. I've told you three times. I can't find it. It's not here, Aaron. Somebody took the brown sugar right out of my house. It's not here. It's not here. I need my small group of guys to come over and find the brown sugar for me because I don't trust that my wife knows where the brown sugar is. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, you imagine, this is just a seven-mile walk. Now, I don't know if that's round trip or one way, but, you know, he went through, like, how many prophecies did he go through about himself? If he fulfilled 300 of them, and there's, like, between 45 and 60 that are extremely specific, he went through prophecy by prophecy, most of which he'd already preached to them. Which means listen to the podcast again this week, because you're going to pick up about 5% today. There's something else that God wants. There's this revelation that keeps cycling around and around and around. And you get wiser and wiser, and he starts, like, putting the pieces together for you. But he's going through this. Now, can you imagine his attitude in this right now? Now, if Jesus is like Pastor Corey, and we all thank God that he's not. But he got a little fiery sometimes. I mean, he turned tables over. He went into the temple one time and just freaked out. Oh, you should read your Bible if you think I'm telling you a lie. What's he saying to these guys? I told you. that the. Not I told you. Didn't Jesus tell you? It was all prophesied to you. 
Idiot, slow, dull. 30 pieces of silver for reals. I was, Jesus was going to, the Messiah was going to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. I told you that hundreds of years before. He told you that hundreds of years before. And it was said, and it was right there, 30 pieces of silver. And then the person who betrayed him was going to buy a potter's field. Like, how specific do I got to get with you guys? Does he have to get with you guys? Can you hear the words coming out of my mouth? By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. I don't know if they started walking slower because he had a lot of material to cover because these guys were slow. Jesus acted as if he were going on. He says, like, I'm done. Y'all aren't ever going to get it. But they begged him. Get this, get this. He was going to go on. Sometimes we treat Jesus like we're, we're the most important thing in the room. And, and sometimes he walks out and says, I'm going over here. You want to? Right? If he's the greater, they begged him. This word means they constrained him by violence. This is awkward for guys. Okay. Girls can get in there and hug and be like, don't leave us. Guys, man, what do guys do? We're just like, kind of like, uh, can I, one, two. One guy just reaches out and gets a hand on his cloak and just kind of, you want to maybe come over? Guys don't know how to ask guys to come over. It's just, we don't know what to do. You want to maybe, we have like a sleepover? Jerry, he'll, he'll make some nachos. You like nachos? We could do nachos. Just want to play some video games and stuff. I don't know what you want to play. It's just going on. Oh, you're not. There's this piece of Jesus that sometimes, even though their feelings were being hurt, there was still the light of the world. Beside. There, there was something, even if your feelings are hurt during a sermon, there's still the light of the word of God in there somewhere. There's still this attractive thing that could change everything in a moment, and you can feel it. You can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's something about it that even when he corrects you, there's this deep love and power. and There's something that you just got to, don't get the wrestling match here. By this, he acted, so he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, get this, didn't our hearts, this is what I want for you this Christmas time, no more generic view of a generic God who generically loves you, who generically may or may not have sent Jesus to die in your sins, and maybe your sins weren't that big a deal after all, and maybe he didn't need to die, and maybe it was and maybe and maybe and maybe and maybe. There was one way to save you, and that was for Jesus to bleed out on a cross, and he did it. A personal God, a personal revelation, a personal meeting of Jesus Christ. It's not what you believe that saves you, it's who you met that saved you. And some of y'all I don't think have met Jesus. You can go to church for 20 years. That doesn't mean you've met Jesus. That doesn't, I mean, there's something about him. If you're walking with something burns inside of you, he corrects you, he moves you, he does something. He, he does some, <laughs> The vision of venue church should repel you or compel you, but nothing in the middle. Why? Because Jesus wasn't the kind of guy who was just out there like, hey, just feel whatever you want. Just feel whatever you want. My wife is like, everybody just kind of loves Aaron, you know? Like, nobody hates her. I you hate her? Yes! I have preached enough sermons that I finally heard, 
No, nobody, no. But there's something about the, the presence of Jesus, though. Love him or hate him, but do something with him. He will not be ignored. Their eyes were open. They said, didn't our hearts burn with us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, get this, they were on their way back within the hour to Jerusalem. Within the hour of this service, you will be on your way back out into your life, engaged with the son of the living God, maybe for the first time, but maybe again. You will be engaged. You will, you will be heading back. Now, they were heading back to what? You're heading back to your house. Or you're heading to the mall. Or you're heading to dinner. Or you're... They were heading back. Their, their savior and master had just been crucified and tortured. They headed back to Jerusalem to get back in the fight. I mean, the early church, you want to talk about pain and suffering. This was not a friendly place for early Christians, Christ followers, people who lived and died for their beliefs, people who were tortured. They were on their way back. Something about the encounter with the presence of Jesus. There was something about Jesus. Within an hour, they were back in the game. See, it's prophesied that, that Jesus, when he would come, and when he would come to you, would be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. He is God with us, but the trouble is we're not really with him. See, see, your life, it's all about threes. You know, God, the Trinity, God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. You're, you're a person, you're a human, you're, you're body, soul, and spirit. Your life consists of these three things, the past, the present, and the future. You tracking with me? Is this too complicated? The past, the present, and the future. And there's a scripture in Revelation chapter 1 and, and 8. If you want to know the end of the story... Read the book of Revelation, because Jesus in the end wins, and every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. So you can choose to do it here and have connection with him forever. That's the gospel of Christ, which he enabled you to come close to him because he shed his blood for your sins, and the price of his life bought your life as an adoption, and maybe you've never accepted that, or maybe you've never come into the house of God. I think some people should be, be a little more excited about that piece. So... We get so worried about, here's the thing, here's what we do with the past. We survive it. You want to write something down? Write this. We survive the past, but we don't settle the past. There's a difference. We get through it, or we get past it, but we don't get through it. Not, not in the sense that God wants us to do. We survive it, so, but the trouble is you know that that past is going to catch up with you and bury you in the end, and you won't survive it forever. So you survive the past, but you don't settle the past, which means that God needs to get back into and take every piece of your past so that you can see where he was so that your sins can be forgiven. Come on. So that you can be healed of the old hurts of the past. Don't just survive. It's not going to be enough. That's why we have freedom sessions, and that's why it's hard. you got to go back and give God every piece of it. But the future, we perspire about the future, don't we? but we don't prepare for it. You can perspire and worry and sweat it, but why don't you prepare for it? Why don't you work and do that? But there's this other part of God. See, Revelation 1.8 says, God, who is, who was, and who is to come. But the God who is, there's something about the presence of God and it's power. There's something about Jesus and his personality. There's something about him in the here and now in the here and now, but we get the present wrong. Do you know what we do in the, in the present? We concede it. Today, I concede it. There are 10 minutes in my day that I will concede. There's hours in my day that I will concede. You know what we want? We want peace in today. Am I preaching? We concede it. We give up. We just give up. Your teenager comes downstairs dressed like a floozy and is going to walk out the door and you say something, she bites back, and then you stop. 
come on. You stop. You just give up the fight. And then the next day, it's just easier to give up all. You don't even start the next day. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. There's something today, though, that the Holy Spirit wants you to. We concede it. We just concede it. We concede the present. But what we don't do is we don't contend for it. The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. You'll have enough worries tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. We sweat tomorrow, but we don't sweat today. We sweat the past, but we don't sweat today. God wants to settle the past so you don't have to worry about it anymore. Settle it, heal it, forgive it. But today there's this contention, there's this fight, there's this. But we get worn out because your career didn't work out the way that you wanted it to. And then sooner or later we just give up. Or you get the next job and give it two months and you work hard because you need work, but then you just give up. And you don't contend for every minute. No. You're not fighting. You're not scrapping. I hear all the time like, oh, my marriage is over and I've tried everything. Have you really? Did you get up at two in the morning and pray? You tried everything you tried. No, you just tried a little bit. A little bit more than you tried the day before. You didn't try everything. You didn't contend. You didn't get in the fight. You didn't pick up a sword and get some armor on and get into the fight. See, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but that's where we spend our struggle is with people. But we should be wrestling with the spiritual world that's going on around us. If the spirit world lets them go, then we don't pray for our... We worry about our daughters. I worry about my daughters. I got daughters. Anybody got daughters? Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. So I'll spend all this time worrying about them. How much time will I spend contending for their souls? How much time have you spent contending for the soul of your unsaved relative or friend or somebody who just hasn't experienced the love of Jesus? Don't tell me you've tried it. There's this contention. There's this fight. There's this battle. My, my Neela, I mean, she's like, if she gets something in her head, she will not stop. She was addicted to coffee by the time she was four. And that is a parenting victory for us because we taught her we taught her that if you pester us long enough, if you contend for it long enough, we will give in <laughs> by the Spirit of God. She had just had more energy than the rest of the kids had, and we just, we just ran up. <laughs> Mom, can I have coffee? Mom, can I have coffee? I would like coffee. Mom, can I have coffee? Can I have coffee? Mom, always cheerful, Not a, never in a bad mood. No, 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 you can't have, no, 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 no. Finally, no! So she'd pop off, no big deal. No to Neela, here's the deal, no to Neela doesn't mean no at all. It just means ask me tomorrow. I'll probably give it to you tomorrow, just come back. There's no big deal. Next day, mom, can I have coffee? Mom, can I have coffee? Mom, coffee. Can I want coffee? I want coffee. I want coffee. No, 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 no! And then one day, she's got this little thing that she does that I wish more of you had. One day she started, she's like, no! Walks away. And then she does this, I don't know where she got this. Just a little bit. <laughs> Fine. Fine, you know why? Because we said coffee tastes terrible, just give her some dang coffee. She tastes terrible. You know what, it was victory coffee and it tasted sweet because she won it. <laughs> she got it. Oh man, if you got a sweat for it, you want coffee. You will drink coffee and it is terrible tasting, but. I wish there was more of that in you, and I wish there was more of that in me. Just that. Yes, knock, knock. Knock on the door. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. Oh, well, he didn't come, and I asked him for 15 seconds. 
You try knocking a little harder. A door closed on you at work. A door closed in a relationship. Why don't you go and find a bigger door and knock on it? I told a pastor friend of mine, he's struggling. I'm like, hey, you know what? All I can tell you is what I try to do is if this door shuts, I'm going to go find a bigger door. You're going to push me back? You're going to push me back, devil? I'm going to go find a bigger door and reach more people. I'm just going to, there's more doors out there. I don't care. I can ask 100 people to the Christmas Eve service, and if 99 say no, I'm still getting one. It's just this, this contention, this, it's this fight, it's this scrap. You stop wrestling with God. You said, I've given myself away so many times that it doesn't matter anymore, so you stopped. You stopped fighting for your purity. You stopped fighting to read the word of God. You stopped fighting at work. You just stopped. And God is like, no, no, no. There's this voice whispering in here that says, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's just going to be the same as it was yesterday. It's, and the spirit of God is in this other thing like, get up. Get up. Wake up to an alarm clock. Get up. Get to work early. Come on. Do something. Fight for it. See, God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. And that's why you get so mad at God, because you're like, I have this need and he doesn't fulfill it. That's not how he works. So if I wanted to talk to my dad, I couldn't come in blubbering and crying a lot because that's not how my dad worked. Now, my dad loved me, but my dad was not in touch with his emotions. So do you want something from dad or do you want to just blubber a lot? Huh. If I want to blubber, I can go talk to mom. She'd be all into it. She'd probably start crying too. That wasn't my dad. But how much would you fight for it? Would you go after God and get everything that he wanted for you tomorrow? Would you leave here and get everything he wanted to you in this service? Every, I mean, every single tiny little thing that he wanted for you. Would you listen to the podcast three times? Or would you just do something? Energy, energy, today is energy. God responds to faith. God does not respond to need. That's why the world is still broken, because faith sees something impossible that's possible and spends the energy today to get it for your kids tomorrow, to get it for your people tomorrow, It'll spend the energy today and invest it today in, this, in the sight of an impossibility. And when you're under crushing weight, faith sees something else. Faith expends energy. It just goes. It just goes. It, it doesn't have a reserve tank. It just goes and pours out. Here's the reason why you don't have more energy is because you haven't poured out what you've got. You think Jesus had energy hanging on a cross? Dying on a cross was dying as, of asphyxiation. It was somebody slowly suffocating you. That's, that's how he died. That's what a cross does. He still had the breath in his lungs to say, Father, forgive them. Would you have stopped short of that? You think you've been hurt and you can't forgive? Father, forgive. Come on. There is something else inside of you that you haven't even tapped yet. There's something in the here and now, in the today, that, that we miss. I happen to be at a, not my family, but I happen to be at a, uh, a dinner that was kind of a family reunion and and I saw the grandfather sitting in the middle of a room and, and probably the nicest old gent I'd ever met. Everybody liked him. Everybody liked him. But I noticed something kind of funny and it bothered me. I get bothered by stuff. Anybody else get bothered by stuff? Stuff sits inside of me and I let it unsettle me a bit. I let it get under my skin. Until your current situation doesn't get under your if it can't get under your skin, then you'll never move till tomorrow. You have to turn the heat up so that you are so uncomfortable with your current state, you'll never, you'll never do what God wants you to do tomorrow. 
And it worked away in my psyche, and it bothered me, and it just pained me. The more I thought about it, I, I saw him in the middle of the room, and everybody, when they would come in contact with him, were very civil with him. Very nice to him. He was a very nice man, but they weren't engaged with him. And he wasn't engaged with them. And here's the grandfather of, of this whole family tree, really, that everybody was here because of him, and everybody walked around him. And that day, something inside of me said, what is it that made that possible? They were ignoring him. See, it's not enough in your world to be nicer, to be liked. You have to make a difference. See, my dad was a little different. My dad said, not everybody will like you. I mean, the whole town came out to his funeral. This lovely old gent, but the trouble is his family fell apart after he died and got into squabbles and quarrels. And why? Because he never engaged in the day. He never said no when he should have said no. He never put his foot down and stood up for something. You know how fashionable not believing in anything is? I don't know how that's possible. I don't care that you don't believe in anything. It doesn't matter to me. You're doing nothing. A critic, a critic, all a critic does is tear down everybody else's ideas. But show me what you're spending. Show, come on. Show me. Show me. You just don't believe in anything? Well, who cares? Believe in something. Find something. to Find the son of the living God. Believe in something. Stand up to your kids. Stand up. Do something. I mean, this is what happened. And if I could share this, just take it in the spirit, because I don't want this to happen to you. He never stood up to his wife, and his wife had a mean streak in her, and he never stood up and said no. And when he was so sick that he should have been having care, she wouldn't let him. And I thought, as God is in heaven, that will never be me. Love me or hate me, but do something with me. I'm going to stand up for what's right. I'm going to teach my kids to love the Lord their God. I'm going to do the best that I can to help you be discipled in the faith. Get closer to Jesus Christ, but don't ever feel nothing about me. Uh, don't ignore me. I'm going to be in the middle of that room, and I'm going to be holding the babies and blessing the babies, and I don't even like babies all that much. But I'll do it, man. I'll have time. I'll be engaged with my, I'll spoil my grandkids and teach them to love Jesus, just like my grandpa does, my grandpa, my Father does, the grandparents of my kids. It's, it's this engagement. It's this fight. It's this thing that somehow he just didn't engage when he... And the only time he could have decided to do it is in the day he was in. There's something about it that's just a scrappy spirit that he was missing. See, faith risks everything today. Faith doesn't have to please people. It doesn't cover up sin. It doesn't cover up problems. It just digs in and gets to the issue. It puts your feelings in a box for a little while. Can, can I say something about when you're apologizing to somebody? If you're apologizing to them for something that you've hurt them with, you don't get to have your hurt feelings hurt. Can I preach to Canadian culture right now? If your feelings are hurt, it won't be a good apology. Are you apologizing for you or are you trying to get an apology from them? Because all you can do is you. Put it in a box. Yeah, of course your feelings are hurt. People hurt you. Maybe you haven't noticed. I hear this all the time, like, I'm so, I'm so disgruntled with the church because the church hurt me. I am the pastor of the church, and nobody gets hurt more than the pastor, and I still love Jesus somehow. And I still love the church, too. And I still engage, and people say stuff about me, and I don't care. I'm in love with Jesus, man. If you don't want it, then, well, there's other, somebody else who does want it. Can I, can I just preach? And get, why? Because I'm engaged in the fight. Of course I'm going to get scarred up. I don't care. That's why I'm here. I signed up to be a soldier. 
Get this piece here that I'm going to read to you from the father, one of the fathers and the ancestors of the Israeli nation whose name actually became Israel. Catch it. And this is the story where it happened. So out of his line came Jesus. But there's something in him. He has an experience with, we believe Jesus incarnate came to earth a few times in the Old Testament. And we believe that this is one of those times that he came. Watch his experience because his experience with, with the Son of the living God was very different than what you expected your experience to, with Jesus to be at this Christmas time. It says, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. Now let me just play out what Jacob was facing right now. His brother Esau was a crazy person. He was a man of war. He had hundreds of guys that followed him. And Jacob had stolen his birthright because Esau, they were twins, but Esau came out first. And this is how they used to name their kids. Esau was red and hairy when he came out, so they named him Harry. <laughs> Esau means hairy. That just makes sense. It's like having a baby and calling him little head. Or, you know, I don't know. It's just like, his head seems no, less calm. See, but Jacob, he, he came out, and, and there was this contentious, contention in, in Jacob. He was used to struggling with people. And even in his mother Rebecca's womb, there was this fight between Jacob and Esau. They were going at it already. And Jacob, uh, Esau comes out, and then Jacob comes out, and they named Jacob, uh, Jacob, and his name meant, like, holder of the heel, because his hand was on Esau's. This is super gross, so. I didn't grow up on the farm. It's super gross. But this is, I'm just telling you, this is the Bible. You just got to read the Bible. It just is what it is. And so he was called the supplanter or the holder of the heel or the deceiver. Like, you want what your brother's got. And he struggled with him. And then he went after Isaac and tricked his father and got the birthright when Esau was supposed to get the birthright. So he was a deceiver. And that was what this Jacob. Now he's meeting Esau again after years and years. And he sent his wife and, and his wives and his kids. They had more wives than one. Don't do that. That's a terrible idea. One is more than enough. And so he sent all of his wife and his kids. And he's alone in the camp right now because he had unfinished business because he didn't know if Esau was going to come and wipe them all out. So concerned was he for his people that he stayed behind because there was something that needed to be done. Are you ready? Are you willing to stay behind until what's done needs, until it's done? This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. We believe that this is an incarnation of God. You'll, you'll see this a little bit later. When the man saw that he could not win the match, are you getting this? This is like God in the flesh here. When he saw that he couldn't win the match against Jacob, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Just tuck that away for a sec. He wrenched it out of his socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. You ever had like a back twinge or something like that? Well, his, his hip is out. And he hung on. He wouldn't let go. You're not, you bless me. You would be here all day. I can do this. I can do this more. Don't you. You're fighting for the life of your teenage daughter, your, your son, who's not following Christ. You're, you're fighting for the life of your neighbors. You're, you're broke. And the devil keeps whispering in your ear, just give up. Tomorrow's going to be like today. Why? Don't stop. Eat an elephant one bite at a time. Let's do this. Go through the financial freedom small group. I mean, come on. Thousands and tens of thousands of people have gotten out of debt. It is completely possible. Fight. Fight for it. You bless me and I'm not letting go until you bless me. I don't care if you're God. I'm still, I don't know if you're God or an angel or just a random guy that came to wrestle me. You bless me. I don't care about my theology. I need something. What is your name? The man asked. 
It's like asking the disciples, what are you talking about? <laughs> he replied, Jacob, why, 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 why? He wants to settle something for him. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob or cheater or heel holder or supplanter, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel or get this, he who wrestles with God. That's what the word Israel means. Did you know that? Someone who contends with God and wins. Wrestles with God. Like, no, God, I'm not letting go of my kids. I'm not letting go of my marriage. God, I'm not letting go of my friends. No, no. This is not going to happen on my watch. No. Because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. You've not just fought with men, but you fought with God now. There's this contention, this contending for today, for now, for this 10 minutes. Please tell me your name, Jacob says. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means facing God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. And I didn't know I was wrestling with God, but I didn't care. There was something inside of me that needed something. I, I had, I couldn't stop. I just, the sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. He was limping. There's an Irish saying that says, may those who love us, love us. And those who don't love us, may God turn their hearts. But if he can't turn their hearts, let them turn their ankles so we'll know them by their limping. <laughs> that phrase was stuck in my heart. I wonder how many of us don't wrestle for the day because we're going to get hurt. I wonder if we put this thing to God, like, God, I will go so far in the race until I get injured, until I get betrayed, until somebody leaves me, until it all doesn't work out for me. I'll go so far, but not that far. Not. And, and God needs you to wrestle with a limp. I had a time in my life that, can I just be honest? Like, I... I always said, God, I could do anything for you. Just heal me in the end, right? Anybody feel like that? Just heal me in the end. It's all, I'll go through pain and I'll go through suffering. And then I came to this place in my life that I was contending for the souls of some people. And I, and I had the realization that I had drawn the finish line in the wrong place. And I realized that I was likely on this side of heaven never going to actually be free of the pain. And I felt like God was asking me if I'd do it anyways. But God, what, what if, God, you got to heal me of this, right? And God's like, right, like Jesus was healed? Then I realized that's the grit that I needed to hear. That's the push over the edge I needed to hear to get me off the fence and to get me back in the game. And like, oh, right. I don't get to tell you that I don't get a limp anymore if people's lives are hanging in the balance. I'm a soldier, man. Don't let your scars go to waste. Don't let your scars go to waste, but don't ever think that you're going to be at 100% in this lifetime. Just don't stop fighting. You can do it by the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. There's an engagement level that you haven't got to. That's why you haven't gotten the answers that you want. So don't let your heart be troubled. We're going to sing a song we've already sung today. So hold your head up high. Don't fear no evil. And fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where our help 
comes from. Father, I pray for every person here today that the Spirit of God would now come in to the room, come into them. Father, you are always here, but I pray that we would get in on it and open our hands and open our hearts to the Savior of the, of the world, Lord God. Open our hearts now to the, you've just moved the finish line. We realize that's why we were losing is because we stopped a yard short of the finish line. And Father, I pray that there would be this grit and this determination of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Christ inside of us that would cause us to rise up and take possession again of the land that you have called us to and quit telling ourselves a story that allowed us to quit. I pray that you would come and turn that lie on its head, Father, so we'd go after our relationships and go after our unsaved friends and go after our teenage daughter. Father, I pray that we would go after a career. We would go after it in the spirit of God and get up and engage and fight and knock on a bigger door again today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.